In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We're at the halfway point, the halfway point of Lent. If you have not started fasting, please, please, start from now. It is for your own benefit. Um, it's still enough time to receive uh, a blessing from the fasting and to receive the blessings of, this, of the community's fasting. So please don't uh, hesitate any longer. Uh, also, a few words about the Gospel today. Just some of the translation issues so that when we read it, we're understanding what's exactly happening. And I try to, I try to um, kind of read it as it ought to be read in a couple of places. First off, when uh, she says, uh, or when Christ says to the woman, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming and now is when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem uh, when you will worship the Father, you worship what you do not know, but we know what we worship for salvation, and typically says salvation is of the Jews. And what it means is salvation is from the Jews, meaning salvation is coming from the Jews through Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So it's not salvation, the Jews are the ones that are special, the Jews are the ones that are... But salvation is from the Jews, that's God through the Jewish people, Jesus Christ, salvation to the world. The Jewish people were supposed to be a light. They were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. It wasn't that if the Jews did everything right, then only the Jews would be saved at the end. No, no, they were supposed to be a light to everyone in the world. Another thing that he says, um, she says, I know that the Messiah, when he, the Messiah is coming, he will tell us all things. Then he says to her, in the translation, says, I who speak to you am he. But what he's saying is, I am. He's saying, I am. He's using the same word as God used when he gave Moses his name. I am who I am. Right? The I am. Jehovah. So he's saying, the and this happens often in the Gospel of John. And the translation, unfortunately, is so weak that you just gloss over it. It's like he's saying, yeah, I'm the Messiah. No, he's saying, I am. I am I, and, and that is a very powerful... Um, Statement. It comes up later in the gospel. Remember when the soldiers go to take uh, to, to to arrest him in the garden, and they take all the disciples, and he says, "Who are you looking for?" And they're looking for. And he says, "I'm looking for Jesus of Nazareth." And he says, "I am," and they fall back because he said the name of God. That happens twice, um, and it happens elsewhere too. So this is a powerful pronouncement. And then um, we see that at the end. The Gentiles, this is chapter 4, right? There's no crucifixion, resurrection, sending of the Holy Spirit. The Gentiles are able to say, and these are, the Samaritans are able to say at the very last word, verse, we know for ourselves that this is the Christ, the Savior of the world. They are already convinced of who Jesus Christ is. And this is a very important part of this gospel. This gospel comes very early, and we should memorize where it is in the gospel of John, John chapter 4. Uh, and in John chapter 4, the whole gospel, the whole chapter is devoted to um, Christ and the Samaritan woman. And I thought I'd give you guys a treat today. Uh, well, before I do that, I just want to talk a little bit about geography. Uh, it says that he was in Judea and was going to Galilee. And for the, for the kids, I want you guys to pay attention. The, imagine Judea is down here, 
and Galilee is up here. It's a straight line going through an area called Samaria. But the Jews, Timmy, put that back. But the Jews are walking around. They didn't like the Samaritan people. So they would walk around to get to Galilee. But Christ walks through because he has no problem with the Samaritans and he's coming as savior of the whole world. So he doesn't walk around Samaria to go to, Gal- to, go to Galilee. He walks right through it. That's an important thing about uh, today's gospel and about what we can learn from today's gospel. So my, my treat for us is um, a sermon from Abuna Athanasius Farag, my, uh, my spiritual father in New Jersey. He's somebody that, um, uh, you know, very near and dear to me. And, and so I thought, you know, you guys don't get to hear many different priests here, so I thought I'd give you a sermon from him. And, uh, and this was uh, put on a website, and I'll, probably, I'll share it with us today in the, um, in the email. Um, but some points and some meditations that a friend of mine had written down from Abuna Athanasius' sermon. So this is hearsay upon hearsay, right? But it's, uh, it's definitely, I can hear his voice in this. So there's five points. Five points about this. Number one is that Christ moves beyond barriers. He moves beyond barriers. And what, what he means, what, what we understand from that is that we meet people without labels. This is a Samaritan woman. That's not a Samaritan. That's a Jew. This is good. This is bad. Meeting people without labels. And this is very important. This goes to the heart of what it means to be a Christian. Is you meet a person as a human being. As a human being. I know it sounds like yeah, okay, we meet everybody's a human being, but what do you mean by that? There's a, another nice story that Abuna Athanasius had told a small group of us. Um, he told us a story about Emba Athanasius from Benesuif. Emba, ben, Emba Athanasius from Benesuif was an old bishop. Uh, maybe some of you kn- knew him or knew about him. Um, a very holy, righteous person. Uh, but as a bishop, he didn't look like the bishops that we have today. His, his, his outfit would have been something like this, with just a small white skull cap on his head. That's the bishops prior, who were ordained prior to Pope Shenouda, um, tended to look like that. Why is that important? Because he went to Germany. He went to Germany for a, uh, to, to receive some uh, medical attention and he went against his will he didn't want to go he wasn't excited about it he didn't want to leave his his area of, of Venezuela so he goes and he goes to the church and he sits in the church and his idea is that he's just going to sleep in the church um, and then go to his whatever medical attention he needs to end but the church was where he was going to live so the priest in the church said uh, say that's not going to work it's not going to work you have to uh, please you know go with this woman, uh, she has an extra room in her house, uh, she's married, and so on and so forth. And Satan's like, no, I'm staying here. Uh, now, the woman heard that, you know, he said no, so she left, and that was that. Uh, but by the end of the evening, someone persuaded Emba Athanasius to go. So he goes, he gets a ride, he knocks on the door, um, and 
And she starts talking to him. She says, uh, oh, now you want to come to my house? Now you think, uh, now, now I'm good enough for you? And she was very rude with him. She didn't know who she, he was. She didn't know that he was a bishop. She just thought he was a simple man in a Galabeya, coming from Upper Egypt um, with his ta'aya. It didn't look like a bishop at all. So, closes the door and then he leaves. Um, the priest finds out, tells her this is a bishop of Venezuela. Please, you know, accept. So then she goes running to him. I'm sorry, Sayyidina, please come, you know, we would be, take a blessing to be in, in our house. And he says to her, something remarkable, and I remember this from the story, he says to her, are you saying this to me because I'm a bishop or because I'm a human being? Are you saying this to me because I'm a bishop or because I'm a human being? And so when we think about labels, forget about labels. Forget about labels. And this is what Christ does. He's speaking to a woman who was not the same status as men. He wasn't speaking to a king. He wasn't speaking to a politician. He wasn't speaking to the most important person in Samaria by any stretch of the imagination. And so the first thing he teaches us is to respect. And not only does he treat her as a human being, he respects the differences in religion. He doesn't, he doesn't attack her. He doesn't say, you're wrong in X, Y, and Z. He doesn't say, uh, you know, this is what you guys do wrong and this is what we do right. He respects religious differences, which is another important la- layer to this, in that how do we talk, how do we speak to the Protestants, how do we speak to the Catholics, how do we speak to um, other Orthodox? We have to respect the religious differences, and then we understand something else, that when he moves beyond barriers... When he's speaking to someone that might be a different ethnicity, a different group, he's opening up Christianity to everyone. That what the message that's coming from God is not just for a certain ethnic group. Can I say that again? Jesus Christ did not come down for a certain ethnic group only. It's not only Coptic people who will be in the kingdom of heaven. It's not only Coptic Egyptians who can understand the word of God. And here being in a pluralistic country which has many religions and many different types of people and ethnicities, we have to understand what is the essential message that God is giving to those who are around us. We'll come back a little bit more to this point of breaking down barriers and being able to speak freely and openly and to respect those who are around us as human beings. And when we respect those who are around us as human beings, we realize that those who are around us are in need of hearing the Word of God, are in need of Jesus Christ. Every human being needs Jesus Christ. The second is that he takes something that is ordinary, and he makes it extraordinary. He, ma- he takes something that is average and he makes it something into something that is greater. He takes an average encounter and he elevates it to a spiritual encounter. Right? And we can say he's getting water from the water cooler at work. Right? The water cooler, that's the joke. You go, you're talking around the water cooler, right? But an average encounter at the office can be taken to a spiritual level, can be taken to another encounter altogether. 
in an encounter, he could have said, how are you doing, what's going on, that's great, wonderful, nice to meet you, have a good day. But he's able to get to the heart of the matter with her, what she needs, and what he's able to give her. And so in our average encounters, we have to understand that there's always a possibility for God to work and to speak in us and through us in the most ordinary situations, at the grocery store, um, at, when you're online to get coffee. I said something, two things from New Jersey right there. Coffee, but online. Online is before the internet, when you were in line, you were always online. That's a Jersey thing, sorry. So when you're, when you're in line, speaking to people, when you are um, uh, getting gas, just the, the, the waiter or the waitress that you're dealing with, I was, I was, um, I was at Home Depot, uh, just picking up some stuff. That, that's unfortunately become my favorite place these days and it's so close to my house. So I'm there all the time. And one of the workers said to me yesterday, he's like, um, you know, I've been reading a lot about orthodoxy. I was like, great, can you help me with these blinds over here? I'm just trying to see what size and everything. He's like, um, I'm really interested. I was wondering if maybe I could talk to you. And, and, and I was like, great, yeah, sure. But my mind was not thinking of that. My, I was thinking about this small little project that I wanted to do in the house. But when we, when we can think beyond that, and I, I feel embarrassed, I'm conf- this is my confession. I'm a priest, I should always be thinking about this. But to take those average moments and to always understand that when you're speaking, you're speaking on behalf of Christ, even when you're ordering something, even when you're just dealing with the workers, even when you're you know, dealing with the people mowing your lawn, painting your house, you are representing Christ. And you don't want anything to be a stumbling block. Next, number three, in his divine dialogue, in his speaking with her, he engaged her mind and her heart. He engaged her mind and her heart. Christianity is not just about emotions. Christianity is deep. And Christianity, sometimes we don't understand its depth until we get older. And that's why this story, we're, think about it. Let's, the average person, let's say 75 years, God give everybody a long life, but the average person, 75 years. You're going to hear this gospel twice. Every, if you're attending every Sunday, you're going to hear it twice. So surely somebody would have thought, look, 75 years times 2 is 150. 150 sermons, if I'm really paying attention on the, on the Samaritan woman, is that, you know, can't we find some other story that we can read? Can't we think about some other... Uh, we never read about, you know, the woman who was caught in adultery. That's such a nice story. Let's read that. The church is saying, this, the Word of God is deep and will continue to go deep. It will become, this story can be uncovered not just 150 times, 150,000 times. You can read this story over and over and over and the depth of the Holy Spirit will, will help you to understand something more profound about this story. So when I talk about spirituality and we talk about the depth of spirituality, Christ engages her mind and her heart. How does he engage her mind? How does he engage her heart? First off, this woman is extraordinary. This woman is extraordinary because the second 
she realizes that Christ is special, she asks the most important question on her mind about worship. <coughs> about worship. You know, and, and why is that the most important question? Because when we approach when we approach God in the liturgy or in our, uh, our prayers at home, in our worship, we want to know that we're doing it right. We want to know that this is how God wants us to speak to Him. This woman is concerned about approaching God in the right way. She says, you Jews say in Jerusalem we have to worship, but you know, here we're worshiping over here, on this, on, and, and this is what was taught to us. I'm confused. My father and my father's father taught us that on this holy mountain, because in Samaria, the, the Samaritans, they believed that they had a place of worship, and they only kept with the five, the five um, books of Moses. And they, so they were kind of Jewish, but kind of not. And the Jews hated them. The Jews hated them. The Jews called them dogs. They wouldn't walk in their country. They wouldn't deal with them. That's why this, when, we talk, when we're talking about breaking down barriers, you can think about a, a Muslim and Christian in Egypt. You know, when you're talking about breaking down barriers, you're talking about enemies or people that hate each other, uh, all of a sudden coming together and speaking in a nice, calm manner. And so when she perceives this, she says, this is what was taught to us, but you Jews say over there, she goes to the heart. So Christ starts to open up by saying to her, look, you know, God is spirit. And we have to understand this. God is spirit, and those who worship, worship in spirit and truth. And one of these days, God willing, we'll have a sermon on worship in spirit and truth. But he starts to explain to her what is the right way. And before, he approached her by the heart by saying to her, Look, you've had five husbands, and the one whom you're with right now is not your husband. And he says to her, you know, he, he's, 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 saying, he's not shaming her, but he's saying, You're speaking honestly. I appreciate your honesty. This is good. And then what happens is he reveals himself to her in this dialogue, in this speech, in this conversation. He reveals himself to her. So if we think about breaking down barriers, and if we think about uh, elevating our average conversation, and then we speak about things divine, not things that are just, you know, what's the weather like? You know, when we can think, and it doesn't have to be about Jesus, God, the Holy Trinity. We can speak about divine things in many different ways when we speak about things that are deep. That are deep. And what, what's deep? The things that attack our soul on a day-to-day. When you see somebody who is sad, to speak to that sadness. When you see somebody who's happy, to speak to that happiness. When you see somebody who might be going in the wrong direction, thinking that this is the best thing in the world, that they, you know... Whatever, they're, 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 they're in a, a bad relationship, but they're happy. Whatever it is, I'm talking about what might be normal conversations. Or, you know, watching TV and, you know, this show, this movie, this was so great, and I can't wait for this. When you feel people are living in, in what's, what's called fantasy. Fantasy. Just not real. You have to bring them back to what is real. And that's what the spiritual life is about. And you can do this only through relationships. Only through relationship. It can't just be random. Christ slowly builds a relationship with her in these small minutes, in this small conversation. He's slowly building her up to understand what it is that he wants from her. And then, when he reveals himself, 
you see her completely change. This is the, the, the effect of an encounter with Jesus. This is an, the effect of an encounter with God. It's a complete change. What's the complete change? She came to the well to get water. Then you see her leaving her water pot and going to the village. She's coming to the, to the, village, to the, to the well at an odd time of the day. She's coming at a time where she's not going to meet anyone. She's coming 6th hour, 12 o'clock, very hot, to draw water. Maybe she's embarrassed about her lifestyle. Maybe the other people treat her poorly. Whatever the case is, she doesn't want to see people. So she, and then she changes, and she wants to go and give this word to those, the rest of the people in the town. She changes from being on the defensive to listening and accepting. And we know the story of this, of this woman. Her name is is Fotini. And according to the tradition, not only does she continue as a missionary, but she dies as a martyr at the end of her life. So she takes this, she takes this uh, encounter and it completely changes her life. And as she takes this encounter and it completely changes her life, she becomes a missionary with humility to those who are in her town. With humility, why? She doesn't say, oh, I know, I'm better than you guys. She says, could this be the Christ? She asks a question. Could this be the one we're looking for? Come, let's listen, let's hear. And they say to her at the end, now we believe, not because of your words, but because we have seen him, we've encountered him, we have met him, and he has changed our lives as well. This story continues today in you, in the church, this story continues today. We are the ones that are sitting, instead of Christ, we are the ones sitting at the well. We are the ones who are in our day-to-day -day jobs, meeting people, left, right, in front of us. Even when we don't want to meet people, we're meeting people, we have to. And in this meeting people, it's, it's our opportunity to say, look, God, if there's a word that I can give to this person, if there's a way that you can be seen, not in me, just seen. It's not about me, it's about you in this person. If there's something that I can do, allow me to do it. It's a, it's a heavy responsibility, but this is being given to us because we see the power of repentance, the power of change. We talked about that word last week, change. And the change that we see in this is able to affect the entire village, the entire group, the men, the women, everybody are able to change from this one incident with Christ. If we, as members of the church, meet Christ, especially on Sunday, but also in the day-to-day, -day, if we meet Christ, we should also be ready to share Christ. And we should be ready to share Christ when we get to the advanced level, in season and out of season, like it was said about St. Paul, uh, St. Timothy. St. Paul said to St. Timothy, be prepared to preach the gospel in season and out of season. Out of season, out of season is what? When, in the time, when I'm at Costco, when I'm at, when I'm at the, the, the grocery store, when I'm not here, this is the in season, this is the time where you are prepared and you're, everybody's ready for it. But we have to flip our minds to think about it. There's no in season, out of season. 
it's always in season and it always has to be on our lips and we need to take this opportunity of great length to train ourselves and we train ourselves by shutting off the TV, closing all the stuff that's not related to our spirituality in our life only focusing on Christ, the things that are essential you know, the one who drives a truck has to pay attention to driving a truck, the one who is cutting open a person has to pay attention to cutting open a person, the one who is flying a plane has to pay attention to flying a plane but, but when it comes to out that time that we waste or that time that we don't have essentially a set task whether it's in the car let us listen to the Psalms SoundCloud is a wonderful tool Psalms, hymns, the Bible spiritual books, you name it it's on there right. let's start to create in our homes an atmosphere of peace and prayer an atmosphere that is you know, there's quiet time this is now the time of reading this is now the time of study this is now the time where we're going to read the Bible together all of that we're doing now and we're doing now in Great Lent because Great Lent is when we're giving it 100% I know what happens after Great Lent. I know what happens in the homes. I know what happens. Spirituality just sort of tanks. You know, the prayers tank. No prostrations, no fasting. We let loose and then we realize that our spiritual lives are affected. And we're right back to where we started. When we started Lent, we're right back to square one. And we can't let that happen. But now is when we work hard at building those habits so that after Great Lent is done, we continue in those habits of prayer those habits of peace, those habits of love, and those habits of looking at, at, at other people with a sense of love. With a sense of love. Do you believe, do you believe that you come here to meet Jesus Christ? Or, or am I coming here just to fulfill my job? Am I coming here as a priest just to give a sermon, to pray a liturgy, and to go home? Or do I believe that I'm coming here to meet Jesus Christ? And the same for you. Are you coming here to meet Jesus Christ? And if you're coming here to meet Jesus Christ, did you meet Him? Are you meeting Him? And if you've met Him, what did He say to you? What, does, what is His words to you to change you, to help you, to guide you? to lift you, to fill you. What is the direction that we're going in a couple of, in an hour when we leave? Where are we going to do? What are we going to do differently? How are we going to let today's gospel, let today's message affect us when we leave? If we are affected, those around us will be affected. Two beautiful quotes. One is St. Augustine in the Confessions. He says, you created us for, ours, for yourself. You created us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Our restlessness, sometimes we act out in sins. Restlessness can mean what? I'm searching for something. So the first husband doesn't work. The second husband doesn't work. The fifth husband's not working. So I'm just going to you know, not have a husband and just live with this other individual. I'm looking for something. Sometimes I'm looking for something in friends that leads to drugs. Sometimes I'm looking for something in friends that leads to inappropriate relationships. But we're all looking for something. And we're all looking for Christ. We're all restless. And we can't find Him. And we have to start looking for Him earnestly, like the woman 
in the Song of Songs who goes out and says, have you seen the one I love? Have you seen him? I'm looking for him everywhere. Another wonderful quote from St. Seraphim of Sarab, an Eastern Orthodox saint. He says, if you find if you find interior peace, pay attention, if you find interior peace, if you find interior peace, many around you will find their salvation. Again, if you find interior peace, if you are at peace with yourself, many around you will find their salvation. Meaning you will have an effect on those around you without even speaking a word. Because of the peace that they see that is within you. When you find your interior peace, you find it in Christ. And this is the way that we're able to change the worlds. This is the way that we're able to change those who are around us. This story of the Samaritan woman is very deep. Worth worth uh, reading and rereading, seeing the boldness of our Savior to break down barriers and to say, I don't care if, if the Jews don't like the Gentiles or the Samaritans, I'm going to the Samaritans. I don't care if she is a, not a man, she's a woman, I'm going to speak to her. I don't care if she's living a life of sin, this is the reason why I've come. And then he says to the disciples, look, the fields are already ripe for harvest. Lift up your eyes. And if they were ripe for harvest back then, they're even more ripe now. Even more ripe today. And he takes an average conversation about water by the well, and he elevates it into spiritual things. He feeds her heart, and he feeds her mind. He gives her the depth. He doesn't sugarcoat things and make things seem simple. You know, whenever someone tells you Christianity is easy, Christianity is simple, run away from that message. It's not simple. It's not easy. He does say, my burden is, is, is light, and my yoke is sweet. But that means we're able to do the impossible. We're able to shed our blood for Christ with joy. We're able to sacrifice. We're able to be crucified. We're able to say it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. This is what Christianity gives us. And we take the average and we elevate it and we give them the depth of spirituality. It means we have to know the depth of spirituality. We have to study that depth and we give them the real revelation of Jesus Christ. And then we see in our lives how this message is able to transform us and transform those around us. Lent is not a time where we're just focusing on ourselves with our spiritual practices. Lent is a time where we're understanding that the Word of God is, is opening our hearts and our minds so that we can share it with others. We can share it with others. And I don't know if it's coincidental, the last three weeks there's always been some element of food in the, in the, in the Gospel. This week, they come with food and he says, no, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Last week, the food of the prodigal son was eating the, the food of the swine. But then you have the fatted calf and the, and the meal of the feast. And then the first Sunday was that of the temptation, change the stones into bread. So food is a part of this process, that we're cutting our desires, we're cutting 
um, the things that we think we need, we're cutting ourselves off with that so that the spiritual life can flow and the spiritual life can, can be inflamed with us. This is like the music. When they're trying to get somebody off the stage, my son is uh, coming up here. So, uh, in, and to summarize these points, which I, I, I just summarized them, but just to give a final uh, reminder about that Saint Seraphim of Sarav quote. If you find interior salvation, many around you, interior. interior peace, many around you will find their salvation. May God grant us during this period of Lent to be able to fast from all evil and purity and righteousness, to be able to seek after interior peace, and to be able not only to have that interior peace, but to be affected. How should I say this? But to hold on to that peace and to protect that peace and to guard against that peace. If you do, honestly, if you do everything that I've asked you to do, and not me, but the church is asking you to do during Lent, you, you will be affected by everything in this world. You will be sensitive when someone says a bad word, when someone says a bad, something you know, negative against somebody else, when someone speaks negatively, when someone speaks gossip, when even just listening to news, watching a commercial, all that stuff is going too fast now. It's, 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 over, it's overriding your mind because you've come to this point where you've, you're, you're taking time in stillness and silence. And there is where you meet Christ. And when we meet Christ, why do we want to leave the place where we meet Christ? We want to dwell and sit in that place. It's like Peter on Mount Tabor. Let's build three tabernacles. Let's just stay here. But they had to go down the mountain. And they had to continue in their journey and their mission. But there's a point in time where you just say, this is good for us to be in this place. May God give us this peace, establish this peace within, us, within our hearts. And He being the King of peace, may He rule within us and allow us to serve His holy name in all that we do. To Him be the glory now and ever into the age of all ages. Amen.